Welcome to your number one source for technological innovations, ideas, and strategies for your business. Multiply your business's equations and put the odds in your favor. Now, live from Club ITHQ with your hosts, Ben and Sam, this is Tech Factor. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to our very first episode of The Tech Factor. I'm Ben. And I'm Sam. And this is The, the Tech, Tech Factor. Factor. <laughs> well, this is the first episode, so uh, we're going to need a little bit of work on the uh, the dual the Tech Factor sound, but we'll get there with that. That's uh, Yeah, so welcome, everyone, to the first episode. So this is a podcast about driving business productivity and innovation using technology. It's the, the Tech Factor in your business. So there'll be lots of great content uh, specifically for a lot of the industries that we are familiar with, which is clubs, healthcare, aged care, and others. Um, but there's also going to be really great content and tips for all industries uh, and every type of business, uh, big and small. And today's topic is uh, extremely uh, global and applies to every industry and is becoming a, a bigger and bigger issue every single day uh, that we deal with IT, and that's cybersecurity. And we're going to talk about the five most important cybersecurity measures uh, you should use in your business today. So without further ado, we're going to get stuck straight into it. And we're going to start with the uh, number one thing that you should do. And I'm going to get Sam, you to intro this topic and give yeah. us a bit of a rundown. Yeah. So it's about using simple passwords versus complex passwords and the uh, impl- implications that using uh, way too simple passwords can have. Um, there's been a great story actually in the news recently about Ostel, which is an ASX-listed shipbuilder and defence contractor for the Australian government. They were compromised in late 2018 by an attacker who used uh, login credentials purchased from the dark web. But those credentials were either password123 or Ostel123. Yeah, so they probably didn't really need to spend much money to uh, get hold of those no, credentials. No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> No. Anyway, yep, keep going. So they eventually found that um, there was 40 versions of these two passwords used throughout the um, the Austell business and it, it really taught me something important about the that the weak link in any system can be about our people and how they use passwords. Um, and in the Austell uh, example, we have people that were still using password 123 even after the breach. Mm. And, and and that's a I mean that comes to some of the other topics. It's already touched on a couple of other topics we'll be talking about uh, later on. But uh, I mean, you know, the the thing is, it doesn't really matter. I mean, ha- how big you are and what type of budget you have, uh, you've got to be using uh, complex passwords, and it's obviously a problem uh, for all companies. And, and what we mean by complex passwords is uh, we mean obviously you need to have special characters. It needs to be at least eight characters long. Uh, needs to have capitalization and numbers. Uh, but then also you can't make it blatantly obvious, something like, so in the example of Oztel123, so that's eight characters, it's got a capital letter, it's got some numbers. It doesn't have a special character. Um, but with that said, it, it is still something that is blatantly obvious. It is still something that that uh, a, a basically a cyber criminal would uh, would actually utilize. So they have algorithms that they use. They'll, they'll have like company names and things like that. And they'll use basic... Um, combinations of those types of passwords. So that password, even though it may meet some of that criteria, is still extremely weak. The other thing you want to avoid as well, and um, I know, Sam, you, you've mentioned this before, is the um, 
the examples where people use pets' names and kids' names and things like that. So I don't know if you want to talk a bit of that. Yeah, that definitely. So that comes in with social engineering as well is that uh, we post a lot of that information on social media and it's very easy to obtain. So using your husband or wife's name and date of birth or your, your pet's name or your street address as passwords, they're easy to remember but they're also very, very easy to compromise and and it really, for an experienced hacker, wouldn't take very long at all to gain access to your systems. Yeah, and and, and that's really what it comes down to. So it, it is a, it, you know, look, it, it's always the balance of trying to get, um, you know, you need to be able to remember your password. You don't need to be resetting your password every single day of the week, but it needs to be complex enough that it's not something that can be easily social engineered or something that will be uh, figured out via uh, brute force methods. And the fact that this happens with all company sizes means that it's a, an issue that we all face, but it, it's such a simple step. So come up with a complex password, even if you want to use a methodology and keep that methodology internal. So don't obviously share that methodology. Um, I would still say having a methodology is a risky thing in itself. But honestly, the best thing you can do is just create a randomized password, completely random, and uh, obviously... Do what you can to remember that. Don't write it down on a, on a piece of sticky note paper and have it in front of the monitor on your computer. I was about Obviously to say that, that man. <laughs> that does have a physical security risk, and uh, that's not ideal either. So, look, I, I, it's one of those things. We're trying to get the balance right. Passwords need to be complex. They can't be easily socially engineered. Uh, they can't be, I guess, overly complex to the point you can never remember them and you have to write them down because then that creates other problems. So... Uh, try and get the balance right, but do, do do not make it the company name and one two three. Do not make it password one two three. Um, these things are just unacceptable in the modern day and age. Uh, they will be hacked. Your business will be brought to its knees, and it is going to be a massive issue. So just make the passwords a little bit more complicated. And even if you uh, want to just, I mean, you know, you can. Make them obviously special characters, uppercase, etc., and not social engineered. And then even if you want to make them a you know, um, let's say, for example, some kind of like a, I don't know, let's say Dolphin 123, maybe you're a, um, I don't know, a car manufacturer. They're never, they're never going to get Dolphin right. And that's something easy enough to remember. And, you know, you could change it. Um, uh, so you have like something like, I don't know, say Dolphin with a zero and maybe not not 123, but maybe some other number, random number combination. Um, and if you're changing your passwords every 90 days, um, then there's, you, you're quite safe to do something like that. So those types of methodologies uh, can be very uh, functional. So, anything else you want to throw in there, Sam? Or yeah, no, you pretty much covered it all there. I suppose just looking back at my example with Oztel, is it's it's very easy for even a large defense contractor to get it wrong. So, it's something that that business managers really need to look into and make sure that they are getting it right. Yeah, and I think that's that's the most that's the important point. And so. Let's move on to the uh, second topic, uh, which that is uh, two-factor authentication. So uh, take it away, Sam. Yeah, so two-factor authentication, um, if you're unfamiliar with it, will be when somebody might log into a system that it sends them a four- to six-digit code on a text message or whether it could be a physical device that's plugged into the computer before you can log in. But um, pretty much it should be implemented everywhere where possible. They're super easy to utilize and it's been shown by research to be incredibly effective. Actually, posted in May 2019, Google statistics showed that an SMS code sent to a recovery phone number 
helped block 100% of automated bot attacks, 96% of bulk phishing attacks, and 76% of target attacks. And that just comes to show that as simple as two-factor authentication can help greatly. Yeah, and I, I think that's the, the key thing. And look, one of the things that we um, I think we need to be more and more conscious of is the fact that and everyone talks about going to the cloud. Oh, we well, do this in the cloud, do that in the cloud. It's so much easier and, and this and that. And that's all very well and all. But the cloud also creates a whole bunch of other security issues as well that we need to consider. Uh, obviously, we, with the cloud-based stuff, it's great. Hey, you can access it from anywhere. But guess what? So can the cyber criminal. So um, if you know, certainly at the bare minimum, anything you access in the cloud or is accessed externally from, from your business needs to have two-factor on it. Uh, and, and that's the reality of the situation. One of the things I've, I've noticed uh, in recent times is Microsoft doesn't enforce two-factor authentication on Office 365. So when you first set up Office 365, it's not enforced. Uh, that is obviously a, a, a big risk, and you need to make sure that if you're not using two-factor on Office 365, you need to be using it. Uh, Microsoft do have built-in alert functionality in Office 365 to detect suspicious logins and things like that. But what we've found recently is there are some ways to work around that. Uh, and so cyber criminals are aware of that. And the reality of it is if you don't have two-factor on your Office 365 accounts or G Suite for that matter, uh, although G Suite I think does enforce it in the most cases, uh, you need to get that on there like right now, like literally just stop this podcast, get two-factor on there and get that fixed up straight away. Accounting platforms. So in Australia, we're talking about things like Xero, uh, Myob, uh, Reckon, Again, if you've got any cloud-based platforms of your accounting, get two-factor on it. Uh, the type of damage that that could do to your business uh, without two-factor uh, is catastrophic. Uh, and any other applications that you use, look at lots of health applications these days uh, are cloud-based. We have things like um, medication management being cloud-based. You go, great, it's cloud-based. The, the doctors can access it. Um, obviously, the... Uh, the staff can access from anywhere, you know, great, great, you know, great setup there. But we really should be having two-factor authentication on those types of things or having some other additional form of authentication to prevent uh, unauthorized access. So uh, two-factor is an absolute must. It'll prevent most automated attacks. It is interesting. It does point out it'll prevent 76% of targeted attacks. And this is where we're starting to see the, the bigger threats in cybersecurity. It's with targeted attacks. Um, people are, uh, cyber criminals are getting very, very smart. And they're looking at more and more ways to try and work around these types of standard mechanisms. It is a bit of an arms race, and it is something that uh, we'll need to you know, take seriously. But if we at least put in some of these mechanisms in place, we can mitigate against the majority of the types of attacks. So um, anything else you want to throw in there, Sam? What are, what are your ideas? You got yeah, so especially with two-factor, you're speaking about things like accounting software and stuff like that. But what's another really important thing is, although it doesn't seem like it would be, is two-factor in your personal life um, in the sense that make sure that your team and staff or anyone within inside your organization understands how important even something like two-factor authentication on their personal emails or on their Facebook or any other personal social media, because if they are using a simple password that may be easily attacked through social engineering, having that extra step on their personal side of life will help in the business. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because, again, if, if they can get access to your own personal emails, 
I mean, obviously, you know, you get pay slips and all kinds of things through there. And, and as you said, social engineering, you'll get they'll get all kinds of information about that individual, enabling them to potentially get around the business security as well. So it always does come down to the weakest link, and it's uh, it's really important. Again, two factor. Make sure just it doesn't take much to just go through, check all the applications you access um, externally and from the cloud. Make sure they've got two factor enabled. Again, these things are minor inconveniences, but they do make a significant difference in the long run for your cybersecurity. And uh, leading on from the uh, obviously people accessing things personally in their own personal lives, let's move on to uh, topic number three. So, what is the third thing that we should be looking at, Sam? So, it's all about culture. So, culture is one of those things. It's such a broad topic. But in this case, cybersecurity culture in the workplace amounts to the promotion of safe cybersecurity practice and integrate seamlessly with people's work. It's about making employees aware of cybersecurity threats and making them amend their behavior accordingly to order mitigate potential threats. Hmm. And I think one of the things that, I mean, like, for, for example, so in the clubs industry, they have uh, training for if, if, a, if an actual physical criminal breaks into the, into the club and, you know, what do you do? I mean, I know, Sam, you've, you've got history, I mean, obviously background this, I'm sure, um, you know, in your previous um, career when they, I mean, you had would have had training what to do if someone tries to, you know, put a knife to you and say, give me the money. Um, yes, for sure. Again, we, we, we have training mechanisms for, for that type of stuff and they teach you what type of behaviors to look out for and how to how to manage that type of thing. And and they even do um, practice drills. I mean, well, what do they do practice drills with um, some of the, I mean, I've, I, I wouldn't like to see someone go, hey, here's, yeah, here's yes what plastic no. and here's how you act. No, yeah, no, not really. I, I, not really. It's, it's more interactive um, internet-based interactive training de- these yeah, days. Yeah, demos and stuff and like this yeah. is how you should do it. And You might, and watch, what- a, you might watch a video of someone holding up yeah. a, a place or whatnot. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, yeah. it works in similar ways in, in this case as well, you know. It, it's about instilling the concept that security belongs to everybody inside the organisation. It's not just one person's uh, responsibility to make sure that all the business's information is safe. And and another great one is to reward and recognize those people that do the right thing in the security and um, trying to make it fun and engaging for staff so they don't find it boring and zone out. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point because I think, the, look, you know, it's, it's always that 80-20 rule, right? Like the majority of people will will ultimately do the, the right thing if you give them instructions, they'll be able to follow it and, you know, that they'll be able to do that. But I think also if you, you know, if you, if you get as many people along in the part of the process, most people will, will tag along. They go, oh, well, so-and-so is doing it. Um, they're, they're taking this seriously, so I'm going to take it seriously too. Uh, and that's just a matter of just, Focusing on those 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 other twenty percent. So going okay, what do we need to do to target specifically those other, you know, the guys who maybe you just like, no, nah, I don't care, or that's not my problem, or it's no big deal, or whatever. So I don't really get working. I don't get paid for that. That's not my job. Yeah. Is a big exactly. one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's plenty of ways to 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 uh, counter that argument. Uh, and I, I know varying uh, managers would say different things in response yes, to that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I think that that will show your management type <laughs> the response that comes I, from I, that um, one. Yeah, I I know, I know with Apple Podcasts, if, if I say certain words, I've got to mark the podcast as explicit. So I, I won't use those words today. But um, 
Yeah, I don't we'll think our first we'll episode is We'll leave that to your explicit. imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's leave that. But, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is it's it. A culture is really important. You, you want to make sure that uh, as well as – I mean, you've got to really set the tone. Obviously, leadership management needs to set the tone. Uh, you need to make sure that the um, everyone understands how serious it is. So it does mean, you know, that you actually embed it into the culture and in what you do and, and how you work. And so it's not just about physical security. It is about the cybersecurity and making sure people understand that, that that is a serious issue these days and, and the types of consequences that are involved with uh, failures and cyber, in cybersecurity. So, yeah, a, a really important. And, um, again, we'd probably recommend uh, doing targeted, uh, I guess, uh, you know, well, I mean, we're going to talk about the next topic in a minute, targeted training, but uh, but certainly um, embedding the culture is really important and that really is about messaging uh, and it's about making sure that, you know, if you can get the majority of people along, the you know the vast majority of people will follow along. That's just a matter of just targeting those uh, few individuals that will just you know always drag their heels, and that's that's really what that comes down to. Uh, and uh, I guess that really leads us into training, which we can really talk a bit about. So uh, I guess I, I might um, actually. Well, let's let's talk about your experience with the training, Sam. So yeah, topic so, I mean, number four is training. I mean, how we distill culture is through training. So I, I did touch on a little bit there about making security fun and engaging, and, and that can come down to training. Some of my experiences with cybersecurity training has been hands-on in front of a group of people. So you can definitely tell the difference than if you just stand up the front with a slideshow telling people what to do. But if you give them ways that they can engage and active listening can be a great one asking questions having that kind of question and answer time and, uh, and e- even some hands-on activities with that can be great but then there also comes the the implication of if you can't do hands-on training how do you make sure that you'd be able to do all those things yeah and i mean one of the um so we have a number of uh uh, proprietary tools that we use for uh, for training systems that allow you basically to go ahead and email out quizzes and also email uh, you know f- fake uh, cybersecurity attacks to people. So you can do uh, essentially uh, targeted training by actually identifying those who don't really understand the cybersecurity. So you can uh, there's a, a single it's effectively penetration testing with uh, with email so you can send off uh, there are tools available and there's one that that we use um, that's that, that's quite useful where we can send out basically uh, fake emails to employees uh, and and effectively uh, allow employees to sort of filter themselves in their in terms of their own cybersecurity knowledge so they can go through uh, let's say maybe yes uh, someone deletes it then it'll get marked down as okay that, that person didn't open the email they deleted it uh, it'll also then mark down if someone conversely goes, oh, that looks legitimate. They click on it, open it, or if they fill in information, they give it information. That really helps with the training because then you can actually then go back and go, okay, uh, we've identified that 25% of staff opened these emails or didn't detect that they were fake properly. And you go, okay, well, let's talk about the training for for those those types of attacks. And and you can actually do, again, in the system that we use, it has um, actually has quizzes that you can do. So you can actually make staff do uh, do quizzes and uh, make sure that they understand the knowledge and, and they pass a test before they can um, carry on uh, with the training. So uh, I think that's a really good mechanism and, and way of doing it. There are a number of free training resources uh, on the internet as well. So you don't necessarily have to use a proprietary tool. You can jump online and 
Google, you know, free cybersecurity training uh, and to explain to people what sort of certain phishing attacks might be um, via email or or different types of ways that cyber criminals can get in. So, uh, you know, lots of really great resources out there on this for free. But if you are after something proprietary, uh, certainly talk to, uh, you know, someone like us who can uh, guide you in the right direction for that and implement proper training methodologies and tools. But there's lots of great free resources on the internet. Just, you know, use Google uh, and uh, and Google away. But, but training is a really important thing. And and the better you do the training, the better the results you're going to get and the more secure your organization is going to be. So uh, Also, just you know, in how, how, you, um, yeah. it, how often you do that training as well. Just one-off training will often not result in... Yeah in what you're looking for it, it needs to be distilled in in everybody's brain quite frequently yeah look that that's a big thing because it you know it, it's like the um the fire drills i mean you know i think they do i don't know what the timing is fire drills of different organizations but sometimes i'll do them every quarter or every six months uh you know it, it's one of those important things that yeah um you may i mean well with the fire drills hopefully you may never need them <laughs> um Cybersecurity you will need, so you will need to actually go through and and be doing those uh, that training on, on a reasonably regular basis, at least maybe an annual basis, just to remind people of the importance. Because uh, you're right, if if people only do it once, that they'll forget about. They go, oh, that's not that important. But it also it's a signal to from management to say, well, we only did it once because we have to. We don't really you don't really care about it. We don't think it's that important. So again, it's it's really important that uh, there is. Uh, regular training. There's also employee turnover as well, of course. So, you know, some staff come in and they've got their own ideas and they haven't had them training. Um, they don't know any better. So uh, definitely the reinforcement of regular training uh, is important. I'd probably recommend, uh, you know, it, ideally probably once a year, I, I think would, would be would be nice. Um, you may, if it's the first time you're uh, taking cybersecurity seriously in your business, you may look at doing something, say, initially and then maybe doing something a couple of months later just to remind people. And then after that point, maybe once a year or once every six months after that. Uh, but again, there's lots of really good tools on on how to, uh, I guess, I guess create that culture and, and get that training in there. Uh, and uh, again, if you do have any uh, questions about that, feel free to either uh, write to us or uh, uh, yeah, um, inquire, and we can help you set up with those types of programs. But there are lots of good resources out there, and, and training is probably look training is probably look these aren't in a pro- priority order. But I would say training is probably one of the most important things. Uh, it's it's probably you know near right up there with maybe two factor. I think two. If you have two factor and you've got training, you've probably got uh, you know maybe sixty percent of the cybersecurity um, procedures and mechanisms in place. So, uh, anything else you want to add there, Sam? Before we move on to the next uh, thing, you can do. Um, no, I think you've covered just about everything there, Ben. It's it, it is it, it's making sure training is one of the very important things in cybersecurity. You know, there is one thing that I could probably touch on is um, often having a champion uh, within your organisation, someone who really wants to lead the cybersecurity aspect and Mm -hmm. someone who leads by example and it might be someone who writes something in a business newsletter or whether it's just conversations and and someone just to lead by example in that aspect yeah that that is really important because i mean obviously you know consultants like us uh, who who come in here and, and and do that type of work 
I mean, you know, it's great that we can do that, but we're not on site twenty four seven in every business. So we need you need to have champions. You need to have people there that uh, that will champion the cause. And someone that uh, isn't and, and in management. Is I it, think that's is, really is important, important as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree because people just go, "Oh, that's just the boss saying that" or whatever. I think if you've got someone there that's, you know, I mean, they're, 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 look, every organization, <clears throat> excuse me, has people that uh, are sort of they're not in management, but they they are very vocal within the organization, and you know, and and kind of have a de facto leadership um, sort of role, and uh, you know, every organization will know who that person is. Uh, if you get them on board the cybersecurity, you're going to see the results. So let's move on to the uh, last thing for today that we're going to talk about, and that's dark web monitoring. So they, this is a really uh, new kind of concept. Most people probably haven't really heard of the dark web uh, and what dark web monitoring is about. I might throw it over to you, Sam. You want to explain what the dark web is? Yeah, so I suppose most people have probably heard of the dark web but probably don't understand it. So if you think of an an iceberg and you see the tip of it is out of the water and that's what the internet that you can see, but then there's the rest of the iceberg that's underwater and it's often much larger than the tip and that's what you can't see. And we, and we use that example as the dark web. So it's pretty much what you can't access by searching on Google or just by typing yeah. in a URL. I, I think that's the simplest way to explain it. Effectively... Because, right, like the internet is essentially, and it started off as, as literally just people dialing into other computers and other servers and accessing information. There was no search functionality back in the day. And, and, and since then, the internet has sort of become a lot more interlinked with search engines and other devices that enable you to, to, to basically uh, find stuff through the internet and link all these different servers together. But uh, the internet, in, in its essence, there's no reason why you can't have another layer and have other people connecting on other levels, and that's effectively what the dark web is. The dark web is a a, a internet layer of, of computers and devices and servers that are all talk to each other. And to be frank, most of it is um, illicit and illegal activity. Uh, the dark web became most famous uh, from the Silk Road, which was uh, apparently the eBay of drugs. I personally never use it, of course, um, but. <laughs> There, uh, it was very popular, and uh, people could jump on. You could buy anything you wanted, uh, whatever ecstasy, ecstasy, or marijuana, or. And this isn't an advertisement for the dark web. Please do not try and look for the dark web after this podcast, because uh, it well, the Silk Road think. ended up being overtaken by the FBI, didn't it? So anyway, I think, I think it, did, it yeah, was yeah, being yeah. tracked. So, so. I mean, yeah, if you probably, if you if you try and find the Silk Web now and buy drugs, you're probably going to end up buying it from your local police officers. So. I would not recommend that. Um, but the other the other thing about the the dark web uh, is it's where cyber criminals like to hang about because they can do what they need to do and they can talk to other cyber criminals. Well, like, you know, like any good forum and any good business industry, they all talk to each other and, and they all collaborate and work together. And, and one of the things that they do is uh, they they all do like mass uh, hacks and, and and use bots to to try to find different passwords. And then some of them are effectively wholesalers. Rather than go through all those passwords individually and go, oh, well, I'm going to try to hack this or hack that, they go, well, I'm just going to wholesale off all those passwords for a bulk amount of money and whatever I get for that uh, is great. And then, you know, whatever cyber criminal wants to then focus in on those passwords and, and utilize those, uh, well, you know, by all means they can do that. So so uh, typically some of these credentials can go for a dollar or $4 or 5 or 10 depending on the quality of the credentials. Uh, and these are all available on the dark web to purchase in bulk, and and this is what 
uh, cyber criminals utilize to gain access to to your systems. So dark web monitoring is a new, uh, I guess, a new procedure that effectively the the good guys are now actively in the dark web as well, just as the FBI. There's also other private organizations. Everyone's jumping the dark web. Uh, and they are using a whole bunch of different their own tools to then scan the dark web and see what passwords are available and 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 what they can purchase. And then they're notifying uh, companies uh, like ourselves of these. This is what's available on the dark web. And so we've got a practical example. I think you mentioned uh, Travelex, Sam. So you want yeah, to talk a bit about so, Travelex? So Travelex, if you haven't heard of it before, is the largest multinational foreign exchange company. And you've probably heard of them in the news in probably early January this year after their entire system went offline on the 31st of December 2019. The reason the whole system went offline is because hackers gained access to the computer's network and downloaded five gigabytes of sensitive customer data. So they threatened to sell this data on the dark web if Travelex didn't pay $2.3 million in Bitcoin. So as of the end of January 2020, Travelex had paid the ransom of $2.3 million, but there really is no guarantee that those hackers still aren't just going to sell that five gigabyte of customer data on the dark web to anyone that wants it. And that is a, a massive concern. And you think about Travelex, I mean, Travelex is the, one of the largest foreign exchange uh, companies in the world. Uh, I, mean, I, mean, I was going to say, quite ironically, uh, with the COVID-19, I mean, maybe they uh, they might sort of dodge a bullet. Maybe there won't be as much foreign exchange going on. And and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's going to end up being okay for them or maybe it might conversely be um, extremely bad for them. But the, the whole point of it is that the dark web, is essentially a place where these credentials will be uh, sold and, and uh, where cyber criminals are, are making a lot of money. I mean, some of these cyber criminals are making $700,000 US a year to do this type of work. So, so so don't think it's some, you know, little teenager in, in his garage uh, on mum's and mum and dad's computer trying to hack into your system. These are very sophisticated, very large cyber criminal networks. Uh, and they're spending a lot of money uh, to to gain access to these systems because there's frankly there's money for them to be made. We talked about the types of uh, attacks today, and and we've talked about the types of things we can do. But at the the bottom line, at the end of the day, uh, if they are doing targeted attacks, they will find a way in uh, at some point using some type of system, and they will do whatever they can to extract the most amount of money they possibly can out of your organization. So. Dark web monitoring uh, is one method that you can use. So we have a, a platform that we use uh, called Dark Web ID, which allows us to monitor uh, for our clients if any of their data is exposed on the dark web, and we provide monthly reporting and and do all that for that. And it's actually extremely affordable. It's uh, for most organisations. So uh, it's a simple uh, measure that you can put in place to monitor the dark web and make sure that your credentials or your information isn't being exposed on the dark web. Uh, but again, it, it is another important measure. So if you, uh, again, if you're any, well, literally, I would recommend this for any business. It's a, it's, a, it's fairly affordable. I think for most businesses, it starts at less than $100 a month uh, to basically monitor your credentials. So it's extremely affordable. And generally, Sorry, Sam, you to say something? Yeah. yeah, generally we get hits on it as well. Like it, it's it's not uncommon to see compromised information for businesses that we run these tools for. 
Um, often you'll see quite historical data. It might be something from a, a breach company that they use, could be up to 10 years ago. But sometimes we have, in some instances, we have seen very, very recent activity. And, and, and it helps from a cybersecurity point of view too, because if you do see these kinds of activities on the dark web, you know there's something wrong inside your business and you know you need to go and review it. Yeah, exactly. It can be a great canary in the coal mine. It can help you understand, oh, wait a minute, there's these types of passwords that are getting exposed. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe we need to do more training. Maybe we need to have a closer look at so-and-so's account. So again, it's a really important tool that formulates part of those those five things we've talked about today that you can implement in your business that'll make a difference in cybersecurity. Uh, so I think that's, we're going to wrap it up there. I mean, that, there's really five really important topics again. So we today we talked about complex passwords. If you aren't using complex passwords, use them. Yes, they're a pain. Try and get the balance right. Um, the reality of it is that there are some very large companies that aren't, aren't doing it right uh, and it doesn't take much effort to do it. You don't need a, a million-dollar IT budget to change your password to a secure password. Two-factor authentication. Again, anything that's accessed externally on the cloud or um, or externally through your own uh, systems, two-factor it. There are tools out there for every uh, application you use two-factor. One of the things we didn't talk about for internal applications is a program called Duo. Uh, Duo, uh, and there's also uh, another system called WatchGuard. WatchGuard have a system for uh, two-factor authentication. Again, great products. Definitely uh, I look at utilizing that or if you get stuck, again, have a chat with us. Uh, culture, we talked about. Very important again. And training again, we talked about, which they sort of go hand in hand about you know implementing the right culture, having a champion, and then training about utilizing free training resources on the internet, follow-up training, uh, test your, your staff, your users, make sure that they uh, know the difference. So send out some fake attacks, see how they respond, then do the follow-up training. And then finally, we talked about the dark web monitoring. Again, you know, an, uh, another layer of, or another threat that we you need to look at and then make sure you've got something in place for again. So if you do those five things, look, they're the, arguably the most important cybersecurity measures you can implement in your business. Most of those things are fairly, um, I mean, they cost almost next to nothing. So there's no reason why you can't implement some of those things today and make a big difference to your cybersecurity. Uh, with all that said, uh, there will inevitably be attacks that we'll still get through. So you need, you need to do all these things, and this will stop the vast majority of stuff, but there are sometimes you'll have instances where you'll have very, very targeted, very malicious attacks, and we are starting to see more and more of that. So it is something that we certainly can't, can never take for granted, and uh, I think you know these five measures are certainly the most important things you can do, but there are certainly other things you can do, and uh, no matter what you do, the, the, the battle will never end, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, and it is just something we've just got to reinforce of how important it is. So uh, that's my finishing thoughts. And I don't know if you want to throw anything there, Sam, before we finish up. Yes. So pretty much just make sure those, those passwords, make sure that they're not easily crackable. Two-factor is free. Generally, it does not cost a cent to implement. And even Google statistics show that it just works. Um, ha- having that great culture with your business, as Ben said, having a champion and your dark web monitoring can just help you in the long run. Yeah, no, that's, I think that sums it up for today. So uh, thank you, everyone, for joining. This is our very first episode of The Tech Factor. Uh, I'm Ben signing off. And I'm Sam. And that was The Tech Factor. <laughs>